You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Once again, we are super excited that you are here with us this morning. Uh, We do have a, a couple of announcements for you. The first is that if you were here last Sunday, you saw like eight kids up here getting dedicated. And that's a really good indication of what we have happening over in Quest Kids. We have lots of kids there every Sunday morning from newborns all the way up through fifth grade. And I would love to have some of you volunteer to help us out. Our new system is only one Sunday a month. Uh, so we try to make it easy on you. We can find the age group that fits you best. We have all the supplies ready for you. Uh, we do the prep work. You just have to familiarize yourself with the lesson and spend some time with some awesome kids, uh, discipling them and leading them in the faith, which is what we pledged to do last week at our baby dedication. If you have questions about that, or if that's something that you're interested in, I would love to chat with you about it. So please let me know. You can call me, email me, grab me after the service, whatever you need. Um, I also wanted to remind you that we have a fall festival coming up. On October 28th at 4 p.m., we will have a great time here on the campus Um, we have lots of opportunities for you to participate. Uh, If you want to sign up to be in the chili cook-off, you can do that. If you want to run the popcorn booth or the cotton candy booth or help kids with spin art, there's opportunities for that. If your family wants to be in a trunk or treat space and decorate your trunk and pass out candy, we have the option for that for you. Uh, we are going to have uh, boxes set up in the foyer where you can drop off bags of candy so that we can help those family with some of the candy so they don't have to pay so much for the people that are doing trunk or treat. If you go to the church website or to the app, you will find the link with all the information about that We are going to have an amazing night, but one of the big purposes of this night is to invite our community onto the campus. We want to show the people around us what Sci-Fair Christian Church is all about, that it's a loving place, that it's a place where you can come just as you are, and, and that it's a safe place. So even if you don't do anything else, make sure you invite some friends to come to this. It's not going to cost them anything. It's a free event, and we hope it's going to be really fun for their families. So we hope that you'll join us for that. Uh, Now, please direct your attention to Kevin for our call to worship. Well, good morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord God in heaven, we lift our hearts to you today. You are the only one worthy. You are the only one worthy of our worship here today. So we cast down uh, the idols of our hearts, the things that we've been chasing after. And we place you in your rightful place on the throne of our hearts. And Lord, for those things that have been chasing us this week, those obligations, those, um, those stresses of life, whether it be work related or or home life. Lord, we, we lay those things at your feet and we direct our attention to you. We give those anxieties over to you here this morning and we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and him who is, his burden is easy and he's calling us, Lord, uh, to rest in him here today. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that that we would be agents of grace, that we would help to prepare the way of the Lord, that we'd be open and sensitive to your spirit working in us. Lord, that we would give the same kind of forgiveness that we've been given through Jesus. And so we look to you today, God, We celebrate the ways that you have provided for us, the ways that you've been sovereign in our life. And and Lord, for for those who are struggling 
in their faith or struggling with a burden. Lord, we, we look to you here this morning and we pray that you would be their peace, that you would be their comfort, um, that you would give them a sense of hope and a sense of satisfaction here today in you. Lord, we thank you that you gather your people here today, that we can come together like this in this beautiful building, in this uh, beautiful weather here today. We pray all these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Good morning. morning. You guys are looking absolutely fantastic this morning. It is so good to see you. Uh, I do have one more announcement. Uh, Travis did a great job of announcing all the things that are going on here. Uh, There is one more. Again, on the back of last week, um, this is a month given over to appreciation of our pastors. And in the backs of the pews, you will see a card that you could take and fill in and write a message uh, of encouragement which would be greatly appreciated. So please take one. You don't have to. There are baskets you can put them in at the back there if you get get a chance to write a note. Um, But take one home, put a note in next week. Or get a little more sophisticated and go to the website. Or or on uh, on the bulletin, there's some email addresses there. And you know how uh, warming to the heart and how great an encouragement, a word of encouragement is. I mean, that's proverbial, right? Um, so moving on to a time of giving. Uh, why, why do we give? Right? We, uh, we might put some money in the basket. We may give using our treasure. And we may give using some of the other, the other uh, time and talent and the talents that we have. Some of the reasons that we give are ministries. Right? We've got adult, uh, children, and... Um, Youth ministries, we've got lots of administration needs, facilities, it's a big one, uh, soul care, special events throughout the year, worship and hospitality, sound, there's a great soundboard there with some wonderful people running it. Um, right now, media, it's a thing that we can access online to help us in our Bible studies and, and, uh, and fellowship. And the art for VBS, think VBS, the amount of art that goes into that, and resources, right? Is that why we give? They are facilitators. It's not why we give. It's a bigger picture than that. So right now, throughout the world, thousands of people are worshiping Christ in all sorts of different kinds of churches. Some of them are palatial like this with the equipment and facility that I've just mentioned, which we are truly blessed to have. But some of them... Some worshippers now are standing on a dirt floor surrounded by a tin roof and um, worshipping a different God. No, the same God. God is not looking at the way our church is made and the the facilities by which we are able to worship or structure ourselves. He's looking to his people, right? Why are we here? Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's why we're here. Um, We are ordinary Christians doing extraordinary work. Praise the Lord. That that he has given us that to do for him. So when that offering basket goes by, if you are putting something financial into it, thank you. And if you are not, Pause mentally as that thing goes by and think of somebody that you can invite to church this coming week. If a name comes to you, if a name doesn't come to you, pray to the Lord that he would put a name on your heart and a circumstance and an opportunity to invite that person to this church because that is the ministry of our church in part. So that's why we're here. We're we're facilitating Christ in community. And if you do invite somebody to church, it's possible that that might be the biggest give you ever do. So let's pray. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. 
Love and faithfulness go before you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Father, we are privileged to worship the holy God. Uh, Name above all names through Jesus Christ. We rejoice in your holy name in this place, Father. We thank you for the structure and the facility, but we thank you even more for the opportunity to witness your love, and that is why we're here. So we praise your name through the love of Jesus Christ and by your Holy Spirit this morning. We thank you, Father. Please accept all of these gifts of all of these people in all of their ways and be pleased with that offering, Father, this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let it be done, God. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you walk with us even when it seems as though we are alone. Lord, you walk with us in our struggle. You walk with us in our grief. You walk with us in our depression, our loneliness. And Lord, you walk with us in our celebration. We thank you, Father, that we are not alone. Not only are you with us, but we are surrounded by our brothers and sisters. Failed, broken, faulty, yes, but filled with the same grace and the same peace and the same spirit as the spirit that is within us. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us in this time here as we gather around your word that it would be a time of blessing for us. And as we receive your word, Lord, that it would be a blessing to you in the way in which we follow your commands and the ways in which we, we love others and give grace to others. Father, bless this time with your presence. We receive your reign. In Jesus' name. Good morning. What an incredible day. Beautiful day. It's going to get better and better in the weeks ahead. A little cooler, right? Um, Today we're going to continue in this series we call Scent. And um, we're going to be um, looking again at Acts chapter 4. So if you would, if you have a Bible, turn there. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you'll find a Bible in front of you in the pew and feel free to um, use it, take it with you if you would like, uh, or follow along on the screen. Last week, we looked at Peter and John. Peter and John had taken part in the healing of a crippled man, a man who had been crippled since birth, and um, it got them in trouble. And it said that these leaders, um, these authorities in the city of Jerusalem, it said when they um, saw the courage, um, this is Acts 4, Acts 4, I believe it's verse 18, Um, no, verse 13, I'll just go ahead and read it. Now, when they saw the boldness, the courage of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Uh, Last week, we saw their boldness, um, an incredible boldness, and a boldness that had not been witnessed in their lives um, pre-Pentecost, day of Pentecost. In fact, we saw Peter on more than one occasion. He was so bold at times, but towards the end, um, he was Peter the denier. No boldness was witnessed in his life. But Peter's life has been transformed. And we're about to see that the boldness that we saw in them is about to be seen in the church at large. I don't know about you, but I love bold people. Um, Bold people inspire me. 
especially when I believe their courage, um, their unwillingness to be intimidated, attributed um, to their walk with Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to look at the church engaged in an activity um, that results often in boldness. Before we read from this passage, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here today. Father, I thank you that you allow us together as your people each week. Uh, You have called us into relationship with you and you've called us into worship. Father, we We are giving you, we commit to give you our mind's attention. Father, we give you our heart's affection. We love you. You are good. Uh, You deserve our praise. You are faithful. You are present. Father, we acknowledge you here today. We acknowledge that you do not want to leave us the same. You want to meet us here today. Father, you want to help us grow. Father, may we let you do that. May we long to become uh, the people you've called us to be, people becoming more uh, like Jesus. Father, I just thank you for the story that you have in store for us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at Acts chapter 4, we will pick it up in verse 23. And so you have the the church, um, other followers of Jesus gathered And you have Peter and John, immediately they're released. Um, They're allowed to go, right? And that's where we pick up the story. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything. I love the way this gets started because here you have two people who have been on trial. You have two people who spent the night in jail You have two people who have been threatened not to speak anymore about the resurrection in the name of Jesus. They immediately, the first place they go is to this group of, what does it say? Friends. They're hanging out with friends. They're gathering with friends. They're gathering with other followers of Jesus who they know very well. Now they're gathering with the church, but it doesn't say they gathered with the church, right? It says they gathered with friends. You see, you and I need friends who are followers of Jesus. We don't just need to know followers of Jesus by name, we need to know them as friends. You know, Kevin, at the end of the service, we will be praying. We will be launching our new um, semester of life groups. And I know everyone in here is not a part of a life group. We have a lot of people who are a part. I think like 170, 180 adults take part in life groups. So a lot of people. And, and, And I know everyone's not comfortable coming into small groups. But I'll tell you this. Everyone in this church needs a friend, right? A friend that they share their life with, who knows them, who understands them, who prays for them, 
who is there for them in good times and in bad times. That's why we say so much about small groups. That's why we talk so much about life groups. You were not designed to do life alone. You say, Dale, I have a bunch of friends. Well, good. I'm glad you do. Do you pray for them? Do they pray for you? Do you open your life to them? Do you share your struggles with them? You say, yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. We need friends that we go to. You can see I'm not making this up. They went to their friends. They shared with their friends what was going on. And immediately their friends start praying. And their friends are praying, I think an interesting prayer considering the fact that they had been arrested and they had been threatened. Their friends pray that God is in control. I'll just read it again. They lifted their voice together to God. Sovereign Lord who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They just go to God and say, God, before we say anything else in prayer, we just want to acknowledge you are our creator, God. Regardless what's going on around us in the world right now, you are in control. Look at verse 25. You are the one who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed one. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus. You see, they're still praying. Whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Guys, here's the church gathered. They've heard this report, said you are creator God. And not only are you creator God, but regardless of what the nations of this earth do, their efforts are fruitless. Regardless whether or not they, these kings and leaders think they're in control or not, ultimately, Father, you are in control. In fact, You've been in control all along. All that has gone on with Pontius Pilate, all that has gone on with the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all has been part of your perfect plan. You see, the church knew, and I hope you know, that you and I and they are part of an incredible story. And God is the author. The story continues on and on and on. It didn't end when this Bible was complete. It continues to this very day. We can pray the same prayer. God, you are creator God. God, when everything looked like it was lost, all hope was lost, Jesus taken down from the cross, Father, you broke through. You were in control. Let's read a little further. And now, Lord, I think it's pretty important to see that they established the fact that God's in control, and in some ways, when the world looks out of control, God, you're still in control. You have a plan, an unchanging plan. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, the ones who have threatened, Peter and John, look upon their threats 
and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now guys, I'm going to call this type of praying gospel-centered praying. And I think you'll see why in a minute. Gospel-centered praying. I do not... Um, want you to hear me saying that you should use this model and more of what I'm going to say to come as the framework for your prayer life. I'm not saying that. I am saying this is a great example for us. Ever since I was a a young follower of Jesus, I was taught a, a little formula. It's called ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Now, I don't ever use that word supplication in real life, right? So, so I'll just put that in English. Uh, in my prayer life, I adore God, right? Because he's God. I confess my sins to God because I'm not God. I thank God for all his blessings because every one of us in this room have something to be thankful for, Right? And then I tell God what I need or what maybe someone I love needs. So that's what prayer looks like. But you know, if I am not careful, my prayer life revolves around me. Me. The prayer we just read doesn't revolve around them. It revolves around God and God's plan. It's a very interesting concept. And and you might say, Dale, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying. Well, listen, because this is when it came to life for me. Notice what they did not pray for. They pray for three things pretty specifically. So at the very beginning, they said, look upon their threats. So God, you know, God, you are God. You have a plan. You are creator, God. You are in control of everything. But God, uh, we just hope you're looking. Uh, We hope you notice what's going on here. And that's all that's said. They do not pray for judgment upon those who are threatening the gospel in the church. They don't tell God, God, would you punish these evil people? No, they don't pray that. They do not pray that God would would remove these leaders and replace them with someone else. Is that true? In fact, you'll never find that in the whole New Testament. In fact, you'll find the opposite. You'll find Paul instructing followers of Jesus to pray for those in authority and those in authority have been worse than any ruler, president we have ever lived under during the course of our lifetime. Guaranteed. Pagan rulers. Ruthless. All right? So they didn't pray for punishment. They didn't pray for removal I'll tell you something else they didn't pray for. They didn't pray for their own protection. Look at it, it's there. It's right in front of you. They don't pray for that. Now, I pray for missionaries for their protection. Uh, I pray for my own protection. I'll never forget going to Pakistan many years ago on a mission trip. It was not a great time um, in, in the world. Uh, I guess it's still not. A, when is a great time in our world, Right? That's not a joke. I mean, it just seems like crisis after crisis. I was scared to death. I I stepped off the plane into the airport and I had a man from Pakistan. He's um, flying in as well. And he said, you should not be here. And I thought, hmm, that's a great welcome, right? But you see, uh, if I was not careful, and I did, I was freed from that fear after about 24 hours, but I mean the fear, you could just cut it. I, I, 
just felt fear, right? And I, and I prayed and I just surrendered the whole situation to God and, and God relieved me of that fear. But you know, my mentality and my family's mentality in the church at that time I served mentality, I guarantee they were most concerned about my protection. That's not what's prayed for in this passage. And if you know the book of Acts, um, the people of God are often um, not protected. They're stoned, they're beaten, they're arrested. But I'll tell you what does happen. The gospel explodes. And you and I know Jesus today because of all that happened in this book that we call Acts. So what do they pray for? Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Lord, we just ask you, you know what's going on with them. We would like you to let us keep speaking. Give us opportunities to speak your word and not just to, to speak it any old way, but let us speak it with boldness. So remember Peter and John, boldness. And now the church is praying, let us speak your word with boldness. And then they go on to pray and they pray for, for miracles, for signs and wonders with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What they prayed for happened. If you keep reading the book of Acts, you just see it. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Their prayers were answered. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. I don't know if this was an earthquake or what. Anyone in here ever been in an earthquake? Raise your hand high so I can see, so I can talk to you later. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it is crazy. I was actually here uh, serving you guys when it happened to me. Um, two years, three years ago, I think in Oklahoma, next to the large Oklahoma. I mean, we're in a hotel and um, I, there's the room shaking and, and um, I initially think that someone's doing HVAC work with a crane and a big unit on the roof above our hotel. And, uh, but then I stir and um, the, the pool was still rippling when I looked out the window. It's crazy. I guarantee it will startle you. It'll shake you up. And I guarantee um, this experience impacted this early church in a very positive way. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Just one little note here. Um, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit again because they have a leak. All right? Y'all hear me? They were filled with the Holy Spirit on what day? Pentecost. It's not been that long ago. So on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent another comforter to live in every follower of Jesus. And on that day, some would use the word baptized. They were filled. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. But here they are being filled again. Guys, it's not because the Holy Spirit comes in our life and leaves our life, comes back in our life, leaves our life, comes back. No, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and stays, right? However, uh, Ephesians, there's a verse that I believe helps us understand this. Ephesians 5.18. 
Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. For do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do any of y'all use the word debauchery? There's another one, right? Every now and then the Bible throws some curves at us. So here's the definition. Excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. So don't um, take part in excessive indulgence in wine. There's a word for that when people take part in excessive indulgence in wine. What's it called? What? Debauchery. No, that's not what I call it. (laughs) I call it drunk, right? All right, drunk. Someone I was walking over talking to a friend earlier and um, I was asking them about their health and they said, it's great, knock on wood. And they they look at it, they said, where does that saying come from? I said, I don't have a clue. I said, you know, I got a little... Part of the message today where um, I used the term three sheets in the wind and, and I said, you know, I don't even know what that means. And they said, maybe you shouldn't say it. <laughs> and then a good Navy man behind them said, well, what that means is a sheet is a sail. And when three sails are in the wind, that means you're going full speed ahead. And when you're doing that, you know, watch out, Right. So, hey, you've learned something, haven't you? Right? So being drunk's not a great thing. Maybe you've been drunk. Uh, maybe you've been around drunks. Uh, it can be embarrassing, can it not? So don't be controlled. That's what filled means here. Don't be filled with wine until you're overflowing. Be filled with the Spirit until you're overflowing. So that's what's happening in this shaken place. The church, these gathered folks are receiving a fresh filling of the Spirit for the work ahead. They're acknowledging to God their need. And God is meeting their need. You know, it's a good thing to be controlled by the Spirit. It's a bad thing when I'm controlled by me, right? I make bad choices, bad decisions. God will lead me if I will listen to make decisions that honor him. N.T. Wright says these words. The church needs to learn in every generation what it means to pray with confidence like this, like the early church. The church needs to learn in every generation what it means to pray with confidence like this. We do not go looking for persecution, but when it comes in whatever form, it certainly concentrates the mind, sends us back to the scriptures, and casts us on God's mercy and power. The church needs again and again that sense of God's powerful presence shaking us up, blowing away the cobwebs, filling us with the spirit and giving us that same boldness. I just want to put a little asterisk in your mind. I hope I'm wrong and your mind never goes back to this day. Guys, I'm telling you, Um, If I live 30 years, I will see a much, much, much less friendly environment for my faith than I'm seeing today. 30 years ago, if I could look to today, I would say this is a much, much, much less friendly environment for my faith than 30 years ago. Are y'all following me? Now, guys, when we see friendly, unfriendly environments for our faith coming about, we can just throw fits. 
We can say, this is my elected representative's fault. This is our president's fault. This is this one's fault. This is my pastor's fault. This is who, the um, college professor's fault, right? We can come up with all these reasons and really get very depressed over the next 30 years. Or we can believe that there's a God in heaven who is our creator, a God who has a plan that is much bigger than any one of us. A God who, if we allow him, will fill us with his spirit, control us, and allow us to be great witnesses, gospel witnesses, good news witnesses, until the day we breathe our last breath. Is that what our world needs and will need more and more in the days to come. You tell me. It is. It is. You see, but if we engage primarily in a prayer life that revolves around us, we'll miss it. We might even think God's failing us because things are getting so difficult in terms of living out your Christian faith. Guys, God isn't failing us. He is giving us an opportunity to let our light shine brightly for Jesus Christ, regardless of the consequences. Why don't we pray more? Or or maybe I should, why don't we pray? I, I don't want answers. Sometimes I get in trouble. I don't want them and you give them too quick. I don't want answers. I want you to think, why? Just ask you, why don't I pray? You know, I, I, I know about prayer. I've read about prayer. I've prayed. But you know, I, if I'm honest, I'm in a season in my life where prayer is pretty much absent. Why? 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 Why are you not praying? Well, I would say the early church was in almost a crisis, would you? This, a lot has gone on in the last year in this group of people's lives. A lot is going on. God has their undivided attention. Do you pray more when God has your undivided attention? I figure you do. If, if you're facing a major decision, if you're facing a crisis, personal crisis, vocational crisis, work crisis, family, well, vocational and work, family crisis, health crisis, our prayer life goes up. If you're normal, it does, right? Mine does. Uh, let, me, let me make it clear. Your pastor isn't always in this beautiful rhythm of prayer. I'm not. Why? Because I get to going in the motions. You see, I can do life on my own. Did you know that? Did you? Did you? You don't have to pray. Did you know that? Did you know God won't strike you dead if you don't pray? I'm not being facetious. I'm being dead serious. No pun. Right? Serious. He's not gonna make you pray. He he doesn't even bring hard times in your life so you will pray. Now, he might allow hard times in your life to help you become more like Jesus and prayer is part of that. God wants you to pray because you're his child. You ever had a child that just wouldn't talk to you? For various reasons, maybe they just became an adolescent, right? (laughs) Or maybe they just don't want to hear your opinion anymore, right? Or maybe they're tired of hearing you and so they run. I mean, my kids have done that before. Why? You know, sometimes, I, I just, I wanted to dig that hole, cultivate that soil a little bit, Right? So we can live life on our own, even as followers of Jesus, and not pray regularly. Some of you don't pray because you've been through a very difficult time in your life. 
and you just don't see where God is in that difficulty. You wonder. You know, Dale, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed, and, and it doesn't appear anything's happened. I'm not sure he hears me. Well, obviously, you know, I believe he hears you, and I believe God's word teaches that he hears you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, the Bible says. Your creator God is a great God who's in control even when your life is out of control. But it's very easy to go from optimism to pessimism to cynicism. I just want to take you on that journey again. Optimism, pessimism, cynicism. And I'm telling you, when you're at this point of cynicism, your hope is crushed. It's crushed. An optimist has great hope. A pessimist can have hope. A cynic, slowly but surely, the hope erodes away. I I hope that I can help us all Um, This study has helped me in my own prayer life. I I hope I can help us all. Here's three simple things, simple things involving prayer. And, And these are sentences that you can say to God every day this week if you choose to. Three simple sentences. First, I believe you are in control. Father, I believe you are in control. God, I believe you are in control. Use whatever. You are my rock. I believe you're in my corner. You're in control. You're my shepherd. I believe you're in control. Father, life is a mess, but you are faithful. I believe you're in control. Those are powerful words when you say, God, I believe you're in control regardless of what's going on in your life. Sometimes they're hard words because you don't like what's going on in your life. And I've been there. Listen to this quote by Paul Miller. He's the author of the book, The Praying Life. If God is sovereign then he is in control of all the details of my life. If he is loving, then he is going to be shaping up the details of my life for my good. If he is all wise, then he's not going to do everything I want because I don't know what I need. If he is patient, then he is going to take time to do all of this. When we put all things together, God's sovereignty, love, wisdom, and patience, we have a divine story. God, you are in control. I know it. I know you're in control. Second, second prayer. And you can put God in front of all these if you'd like. God, my world is out of control. Now just go with me a moment. You say, no, it's not, Dale. I I could say right now, my world's not out of control. It's a pretty good, steady season in my life at the moment. Knock on wood. (laughs) Whatever that means. Someone tell me what that means after the service, please. I know that that was a joke, Um, Anyway, we won't go there. Some, someone in here is upset that I did that. That was humor. You said, Dale, my world's not out of control. Well, let's expand it a little. Family out of control, work out of control, um, country out of control, world out of control, health out of control. I mean, um, stock market this week was a little crazy, Right? 401k out of control. Just just so you know, if your world's not out of control, I I got bad news for you. Good news and bad news, it's gonna be, right? All of our worlds are out of control at some point in time. 
And the beauty of what I just told you, if you're listening, is when your life's in control, as far as you know, you think your health is good, right? Your life's in control. Pray for families' members' lives who are not in control. You say, my family's doing great too. And then pray for your your country whose life might not be in control. You say, well, my country's doing good too. Well, I need to send you to a counselor. (laughs) Sorry, I thought that was pretty funny too. (laughs) So we do need to pray for our country, do we not? Our leaders, regardless of where you stand on the political scale, you should always be praying for those in authority. Let's say you're, you are happy though with every one of those items. Father, just, I mean, Father, just look back and look at our world. It's heart wrenching. Look at Florida. Those pictures are heart wrenching. There is always somewhere in the realm in which we live where there is a lack of control, order. And we should be praying for those areas. This week I was driving in a car and, and I was struggling over a, a particular decision and, and um, I contacted Jeff because he's quoted the scripture often and I didn't... Um, couldn't pull over. And so um, I said, Jeff, where is that scripture about um, like, um, um, well, now I'm just, go to Psalm 131. Oh, and I said, my eyes are not too lifted up. I think that's the hint I gave him. And he said, I think it's Psalm 130 or 131. And here it is. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. I came to the conclusion that the decision I was struggling over, that there was no simple answer. No simple answer. I was really torn about it and I'd lost sleep over it and and I'd researched it as much as I could research it. You know, I mean, Google just can kill you, can it? You can just research and research and research. And finally, I just did this. This is too much for me, God. This is beyond my pay grade. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm tired of this being torn over this. By the word, anxiety means two sold. A soul that's torn apart. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. Here it is, God. In all seriousness, this became a prayer. That's what it was for day. It's a psalm of ascent. Find a psalm. You you notice as the church was praying, they went to scripture. If you're struggling to pray, go to the psalms. There are many psalms, both um, um, praise psalms and really psalms dejection, struggle. Pray one of the Psalms. My world is out of control. And finally, it's quite simple. I need your help. I need your help. God, I believe you're in control. God, I believe that my world's out of control. God, I need your help. Now guys, if you can't follow this simple outline for prayer, then I can't make it any simpler. I'm telling you, God longs for you to engage him in prayer. I was um, looking at different little videos on prayer and one of them was hilarious. 
Um, and it was about a person texting and it took you a while to watch the video to realize they were texting God, right? But the point of the video was really quite profound. And that is that prayer is not about um, some special language or some special posture. Prayer is very simple. It's talking to God, sharing our hearts with him, being honest as we come before him. I'd like to read another quote. Little children... Little children are good at helplessness. It is what they do best. But as adults, we soon forget how important helplessness is. I, for one, am allergic to helplessness. I don't like it. I want a plan, an idea, or maybe a friend to listen to my problem. I have lots of friends, and many of you do, who will listen to you. Don't allow a friend listening to your problem to divert you from telling your heavenly father, I need your help. God wants to hear from us. You know, a a child will drive you crazy telling you they need your help, won't they? Enjoy it if you have young kids because they grow up. But then again, they still ask for your help, don't they? So, uh, but they need your help. God loves to hear that we need his help. You know, it tells him, I'm not independent. I've not chosen to do life on my own, my way. By the way, that's one reason we don't pray. But Father, I'm going to depend on you and acknowledge to you that I need you. I need your help. I'm going to ask those preparing, uh, serving communion and preparing communion to come forward at this time. Last night, I had the privilege of going next door and and having dinner uh, with our neighbors My neighbors built a pizza oven. It is cool. I mean, it's better than Mod Pizza or any other fire oven pizza place. And so uh, it's just a wonderful night. Um, Wonderful night. Got to know them better and, and we just had fun. I know more about them today because of having dinner together than I've known in three years. Three years. Dinner's a beautiful thing. Jesus said in Revelation chapter three, verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. God loves you so much. So much. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to share your life with him and he wants to share life with you. He knocks. He doesn't beat the door down. He knocks. Every time you pray, you just sit down and pray. Maybe you pull over and pray, pray in your car. You're inviting, you're inviting God because you sense he's inviting you into time together to share, to talk, to listen, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come in and dine, feast, enjoy time together with them. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we could teach on prayer for months and maybe not break the surface. What we do know is prayer is simple, not complex. What we do know is prayer should revolve around you, not us. What we do know is that prayer changes things. You are in control of everything, and yet this young church came to you and asked you to intervene and you to empower, and you to give boldness, and you answered their prayer. Father, may we put our hope in you and in you alone. Whether our prayers are answered or whether they're not answered, may we trust in your goodness and not lose hope. Father, may may we in this place who've been living independently and we look back to times in our life when we prayed often and now we pray seldom. Father, may we simply say these three simple phrases. God, you are in control. God, my world is out of control. God, I need your help. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate your help represented through this bread and this cup, the blood of Christ and the body of Christ that was given that we might celebrate a daily relationship with you, a relationship founded on grace. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, if, as you're coming to take part in communion, um, take advantage of this opportunity to pray with one of our prayer partners. They're here up front. They're in the back. Um, pray. Um, sit where you are. Pray. But what I encourage you to do most is when you walk out these doors, make a fresh commitment a fresh commitment to gospel-centered praying. Won't you come? Before we close our service, I would just like to call all of our life group leaders and co-leaders. If you're a a life group leader, if you lead a group here at CFCC or you are a co-leader, I'd like to invite you to come up to the front just now. Don't be shy. All right, make your way, make your way up there. If you guys could just sort of gather, gather around. And I'm going to ask our elders and any of our, our pastors who are in here to gather around. How about this? All right? It's pretty cool. Our fall life group session just began uh, officially, I think it was last week. And uh, we believe that life groups here at CFCC are the primary vehicle that discipleship happens. Uh, We are, we exist, this church exists to cultivate fully devoted disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus who are devoting their lives in every area, not just in coming to church and attendance and, you know, going to Bible study, but in every area of their life. And the primary vehicle by which that happens is life groups. And so we just started our life group session, the fall session. It's going to last about eight to 10 weeks. And we have about 16 groups that are active in this session. Out of those 16 groups, there's about 140 plus people who are actively involved in groups. That's, that's hard to believe, right? But there are 140 people who are signed up in these groups. Really exciting thing. And so today, I just wanted to, to, to call them up, to thank them for leading, but we want to pray for them as they lead us, right? As they, they point us to Jesus. 
Christy, do you have that passage? Can you put Ephesians chapter four, verse 11? This is, this is uh, where it all starts here. Uh, Paul says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He gave us these gifts and these abilities and, and these talents to equip the people of God for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he keeps going, so that we may no longer be children. This is the goal, right? We don't wanna just stay where we are. We're growing as children of God, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We don't want that. We don't wanna be, be tossed around by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working together, that's everyone, when each part is working together properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the goal, to build one another up in love. And so would you just stand as we sort of close the service? It's appropriate that we would close with a prayer. And, um, and guys, can you just kind of sort of huddle in here? Come, come on around, Ray. Come on, get over here. Get over here. Come on, come on. Let's, do, let's just sort of group up right here in the middle. I want our elders to um, say, there you go. I want our elders and our prayer partners, prayer partners come around and, and let's just pray over these folks here just now. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as the body of Christ. We know, Lord, that you don't want us just to stay where we are, but you're pushing us out of our complacency, out of our comfort, because you want us to grow in uh, the fullness of the measure of Jesus Christ. And we want to stir one another up for good works. I pray for these group leaders as they seek to follow you and to lead um, by your Holy Spirit, lead these life groups. I pray that these life groups are full of of uh, thriving disciples who are are living by faith and they are sharing the gospel and they are applying what they're learning about Jesus in their everyday lives. Lord, I pray that these group leaders would just be uh, encouraged uh, to, uh, to follow after you, Lord, and to, um, and to just, just lead by example and lead by the presence of your spirit in their lives. Um, Lord, we thank you for this body. We thank you for the, um, the opportunity to come together like this and stir one another up in good works. We thank you for prayer, Lord, that we can call upon you as our Father and that you want what's best for us, your children. Uh, we just thank you and we praise you and we give you all glory and honor in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in peace. Have a great day.